Turn your Bible, please, to Romans, the second chapter. Romans chapter 2. I appreciate this wonderful singing tonight. All of it. I liked what William sang a while ago. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. And the choir, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. And the quartet, those great songs, aren't they a blessing? And the sermon that James just gave us, it is well with my soul. In Romans chapter 2, I want us to begin tonight with verse 16. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. But if thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, who has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore who teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thyself Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth, if thou keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Circumcision was a sign of the Jews. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, Shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision dost transgress the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Now that's a passage of Scripture we often overlook. The focus tonight is on verse 16. The day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now there are a number of judgments spoken of in the Scripture. The first judgment is the judgment of the believer's sin, spoken of in John 12 and in John 5. Every sin was placed on Jesus. And when he died on the cross, all of our sins were put on him. If we've been saved, if we've come to Christ, if we've received him as our savior, our sins are on Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because our sins were placed on Jesus. Amen. Now there's a second judgment Spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's the judgment when we come together to take the Lord's Supper. We're to judge ourselves, take stock, look inside and see how things are going. 
if we're really walking with the Lord, if we're living like God wants us to live, if we're in fellowship one with another, if we're in fellowship with Jesus, and we need to judge ourselves. And the scripture there in 1 Corinthians 11 says, if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. But for this cause, many are asleep because they did not judge themselves. Thirdly, there's the judgment of the great white throne out at the end of the age when every person who has never been saved will be brought before the judgment bar of God. The dead will give up, the sea will give up its dead. The grave and hell will give up their dead. And they'll all be brought before the judgment bar of God and they'll be judged according to their works out of the books that are written. And there'll be another book there, the book of life. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. Lost, lost in spite of what Jesus did. In spite of of some kind of a profession, in spite of all the gospel preaching, there are some people who will go through the life and out to the end of the age and they'll come before the judgment of the great white throne and they'll be judged according to their works and they'll be cast forever and forever into outer darkness and hell. Now there's another judgment and that's the believer's judgment at the Bema throne or the judgment seat of Christ spoke of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Every believer will be there at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, we're not going to be judged there as to whether we go to heaven or hell because that was settled at the cross. My sin... Oh, the bliss of this wonderful thought. My sin, not just in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross. And what about the sins we commit since then? What about those? The believer will have to face at the judgment seat of Christ, not the question of whether you're going to heaven or hell, but what have you done with what God gave you? What did you do with your talents? What did you do with your time? What did you do with vocabulary? What did you do with your abilities? What did you do with your mind? What did you do with your your, uh, intelligence? What did you do with your opportunities? What did you do in your job? What did you do? What on earth, for heaven's sake, did you do? That's going to be the question of the judgment seat of Christ. Now, Paul, in this passage, has pointed out in chapter 1, that the lost, that is the heathen, are guilty before God because when they could have known God, they rejected the knowledge of God and they became vain in their foolish imaginations and they worshiped the created being rather than the creator. They bowed before sticks and stones. They bowed before material things. You don't have to go to India or China or the Southeast Asia or anywhere in the world to find people who bow before material things. They do it all over America and all over Bowling Green. They do it tonight. There are people out there tonight. Maybe someone in this very room who is bowing before material things. And they, they exchange the God of creation for a created being. A piece of paper called a dollar bill. Or some gold coins or some job, or their children, or their family, or a husband, or a wife, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, something. 
And this thing becomes more important to you than God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What will we do about that? You see, God's judgment is according to the heart. He looks on the heart. He knows all about the heart. He doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. Now, in chapter 2, Paul says, incidentally in chapter 1, he says they go to excesses and they go to extremes. And in doing this material type of, of uh, substitution, substituting material things, whether it's a person or whether it, whatever it is, they, they become foolish in their vain imaginations. And he goes on to say that men become homosexuals and women become lesbians. That's the excess of that inordinate love because they have denied God. Beloved, that problem is not in the genes, it's in the heart. God says, thou shalt not, and men do it anyway. God says, thou shalt not, men do it anyway. God says, thou shalt not, men do it. Doesn't. They say, I don't care, I feel like doing it. I feel this, or I feel this, or I feel this. God says, don't do it. So we don't live according to our feelings. We live according to faith. That's God's plan. Now, chapter 1 says, those who sinned without the law had a law written on their hearts and they sinned against that, so they're guilty before God. Secondly, in chapter 2, he says, the Jews who had the very oracles of God, they had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they had all the law of God, and they disobeyed that law, they did not follow it, and they just junked it. And they said, we, don't, we know, we hear what God says, but it doesn't make any difference what God says. We'll do what we want to do. And God says, they're guilty before God. Now, I want to give you seven indictments that are made in this, in this passage. You might say they are seven statements made concerning how God will judge according to the secrets of the heart. Because you see, our hearts are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things who can know them. We don't even know our own heart. That's the reason we have to stay close to God and ask God over and over and over again to examine our heart. Because we do not know our own hearts. And the secret of the heart, the secrets of the heart are known by God. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now let's examine this for just a few moments. There's sevenfold indictment in this passage as to how God deals with the heart and the secrets of the heart. Look at verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Number one, the judgment of God will be according to truth. Look in verse two. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them who commit such things. Now remember, that in the original texts, there were no chapter divisions. 
You just go from one chapter to the other. If you could imagine, there's no space between the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. And so the connecting thought continues. And what he's saying in chapter two, verse one, verse two, he says, but we're sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. Now there's a truth standard and there's a men, there's a, a man or woman's feeling standard. God doesn't judge according to feeling, he judges according to truth. There's a law and you never break the law, you get broken on the law. You get broken by the law. Now you can say you go out here and pass a red light and you have a big wreck <clears throat> and you say, well, you broke the law. No, you got broken on the law. The law said don't pass the red light. And you passed it anyway and had a wreck and you got hurt. Your car got demolished. Now, I don't know whether that ever happened to anybody in this room or not, but I'm not trying to be personal. I'm just saying you, you, you didn't really break the law. You got broken on the law. And that's what happens. This law never breaks. It's just there. And God judges according to truth. That's the first thing. He knows everything. He knows the secrets of our heart. He knows every imagination of our soul. He knows it all. That's the reason, beloved, repentance is not a doctrine just for lost people. It's a doctrine for saved people. You see, as long as we're in this body of flesh, we're going to have a battle with the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil constantly battling the believer. Until you got saved, there was no real conflict inside of you. You might have lived a moral life, but there was no spiritual conflict. The moment you give your heart to Christ, the devil starts working because there's a conflict inside between what you want, the old nature wants, and what God wants. And the rest of your life, the only way there can be victory is for you to allow the Holy Spirit to take charge. Amen. The Holy Spirit inside of you to whisper, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. And that's the reason, beloved, I want to encourage you to read the Bible every day and to pray every day and go to church every time you can. Go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, go to revival meetings and uh, thank God for this quartet. I'm glad they don't come to just put on a show. You know, I've known some people that come and sing and then skip out. I'm thankful they don't do that. They come, these guys are all 100 percenters. Now they're not perfect. They have to deal with sin just like everybody else, but they recognize that. The church is a hospital for sinners. It's not a museum for saints. And everyone who comes is confessing, I need the fellowship of God's people. I need the interaction with Jesus as God's people meet together. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. So secondly, verse 3, and thinkest thou this, O man, that, that judgest them who do such things, and dost the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of, of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. The judgment of God according to the, is going to be according to the accumulated guilt. The judgment of God is going to be according to the accumulated guilt. Now this is illustrated in this way. Very simple illustration. If I had a little twine tonight, I'd say, Ronnie, come up here, and I want to put a little thread, maybe a little thread that you use to sew something up on your clothes. I put that little thread around Ronnie's hands. I say, Ronnie, break that. Ronnie just goes like that and breaks it. 
put your hands back together. And I rubbed, put that little thread around it twice. I said, break it. He tries and breaks it. And I put it back and I said, no, I'm going to run, run around there three or four times. And I put it around there three or four times. I said, Ronnie, you break that now. He'd go like that. Found he breaks it. I put that same thing back. Put his hands back. Take that same little thread, wrap it around there 10, 15, 20, 30 times. I said, Ronnie, break it. Now, when we allow sin to get in our lives and we keep on 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 and we keep on, we're going to be judged according to the accumulated guilt. That has to be broken. Now, he breaks the fetters. He breaks the power of canceled sin. The first thing Jesus does when he comes into our life is to save us and forgive us and cleanse us. But the second thing he does, he breaks the fetters. He breaks those, the power of those old habits. You don't have to go on doing it anymore. I'm thankful for some people in our church who've been saved in the last few years. and I've watched them grow and grow and grow. Some of our men that got saved used to have the habit of smoking. That's hard to quit smoking. One of our men told me that it was harder to quit smoking than drinking. Tough. But he did it for Jesus' sake. And you know what happens in doing it? Immediately your lungs begin to find more life. And part of the injury you gave to them begins to heal. Because there's an amazing accumulative healing ability in the body. If you can quit early enough. You know who will help you quit? The Holy Spirit. He'll enable you. Not just smoking. Not just alcohol. Not just drugs. But whatever habit you have, whatever old sin, because we're going to be judged according to the accumulated guilt, and sometimes that judgment is a built-in judgment, it's not something that you wait till later on for. It's something that comes into your life early. Thirdly, in verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. The judgment of God in the secrets of men's hearts is according to to the deeds of his life. Now keep in mind that the judgment is not an arbitrary judgment. We're not necessarily talking about the great white throne judgment where you're judged according to your sins. All this is applicable to that judgment too. We're not just talking about the judgment seat of Christ where you'll be judged according to what you did with what you had, your opportunities and so on. That's be involved too. We're talking about right here and now right here and now because there comes a day when the secrets of the heart are revealed for what you are inside ultimately gets revealed if you love the Lord God with all your heart and mind and soul and being you may have to battle all your life with some old habit that you once did anybody who has ever sown to the seeds of the flesh Will have the rest of his life will have to sit on the grave where he buries that sin, lest it come back to haunt him. All you can, there's never a free day. There's never a time when you won't be tempted by that thing. It, it'll be there. But there's victory when day by day by day by day by day you live in the power and liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I talked to a lady just this past week. 
And she said, my husband was saved gloriously about 15 years ago. And he, she said, he went 10 years and did not touch one drop of liquor, not one. And we had a happy marriage, a wonderful home. And then she said, he started slipping around privately in the social groups and with the people he worked with and taking a little social drink here, a little social drink here. And she said, he was already an alcoholic. He could not do that. And so after 10 years of sobriety, he became a drunk again. Why? Because he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. You see, we don't reach the safety zone until we get home. We don't reach victory until we walk through the gates of glory and we're freed from this old body of flesh. Again, look in verse 11 and 12. For there's no respect of, God, of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. This judgment is going to be applied impartially. God isn't going to have any favorites. It's going to be judged impartially. Now sometimes we don't do that here. We, we, we tend to have favorites. Have to guard against that. But there, there are no favorites. God looks at everybody with the same measuring rod. Don't make a difference who it is. Same measuring rod. Impartiality. That's how God's going to look at the secrets of the heart. Listen, don't you have a desire in your heart tonight to let the Holy Spirit so fill your heart that even those secret things that are there that you wouldn't want to everybody to know about. You wouldn't want to confess them openly, but you could take them to Calvary. Take them to Jesus and ask Him to cleanse you, to fill you. And day by day, He gives you that kind of victory over sin. He'll do it. But just as true, just as true, He's going to judge impartially. We've had a recent illustration of that in one of the national television men who got all involved with a prostitute, a preacher. And he asked for forgiveness with tears. And apparently a lot of people forgave him. And if he was sincere, God forgave him. Now as to whether he ought to have kept on doing what he was doing, I don't know. Whether he kept on preaching, I don't know. That's for God to tell him. But something happened. He didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, he got involved in the same thing again. There's no partiality with God. God didn't say, well, just because you're a preacher, you can get by with it. But if you're not a preacher, you can't get by with it. Just because you go to church, you can get by with it. If you don't go to church, you can't get by with it. No, he looks at the secrets of men's hearts the same. There's no partiality. And so, that leads me to say to every believer in this place tonight, live for Christ. Let the Holy Spirit come and take control and send a great revival in your soul and live the Spirit-filled life. And the only way you can do it is to let Christ live it through you. And day by day, come and say, Lord, I need you. I can't make it even an hour without the liberty and freedom and power of the Holy Spirit of God.
Now, another thing, and this isn't part of my sermon, but I'm going to throw it in. I heard John MacArthur, some of you hear him on the radio, say this concerning that man that I spoke of. He said when he repented, he didn't really repent. He went out to Oklahoma and got another faith healer to cast some demons out of him. And he blamed his problem on the demons. Beloved, don't you blame your problem on demons. I believe there are demons. I believe that. But what we need to do is to come directly to God in repentance. Ask the Lord to cleanse us. Take full responsibility and go to God and say, God, it is, it is I. I'm the one standing in need of prayer. I'm not going to go to somebody and have somebody cast some demons out. But I'm going to take, it, take full responsibility and say, Lord, you deal with this. And I, I need to repent of my sins. Because you see, God doesn't show favorites. Doesn't make a difference who it is. No favoritism with God. Again, look in verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. God is going to judge according to a performance, according to what we do, not according to what we say. Sometimes our walk is louder than our talk. Sometimes we say but don't do. It is, if there's a choice between the two, it's better to do and not say. It's better to be somebody and be something than to say something and not be that. And then, number six, look at verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That judgment is going to be according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that's, that's our blessed hope. You see, Jesus shed his blood on the cross for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And that's the wonderful story. That's the gospel story. And when Jesus went to the cross, they nailed those nails in his hands. They drove the spear in his side. The crown of thorns was on his brow. The blood of God streamed down the cross. If there had been any other way to save sinners, Jesus would, God would have done it some other way, but he sent his only begotten son to go through the, the stigma and the shame of the cross because there was no other way. And so every secret of man's heart is going to be judged according to what did you do with the gospel? Did you plead the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, to cleanse you? Or did you just roll your, your, your sleeves back and say, I got strength. Boy, I can just do it myself. No, no help needed. You're headed for a fall. If not here or there. Forever. Forever. Because the judgment of God is according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's according to the good news story that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. Three days later, he was raised from the grave and is alive. Look at verse 17. But if thou art called a Jew and resistest and, and restest in the law and makest thy boast to God, of God, and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them who are the, in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, 
a teacher of babes, who hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore who teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man shall not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? In other words, the judgment is going to be according to reality, not profession. Reality, not profession. What is going on in our lives? That's the thing that counts. The judgment will be according to reality rather than what we say, what we do. Now these are seven indictments, you might say, or seven planks that will govern the judgment of God concerning the secrets of man's heart. There's time today for every believer to say, I'm going to shape up. I want my spiritual life to count. And I'm going to be what Christ wants me to be. Beloved, it is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Impossible. But the Holy Spirit is available tonight. He's ready to come at the moment you call him and tug it. And, and, and you hear that tug at your heart. And you sense, I need that. And the moment you sense that need and you reach out and say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Fill me with thyself. He'll do it. There's nothing wrong with laying on of hands. We do it when we have ordination. Some people say that's a necessity in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The scripture doesn't say that. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with the anointing of oil. The scripture says that if you're sick, Call for the elders, let them anoint you with oil. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. Nothing wrong with that. But the anointing of oil doesn't give you any holy power of the Holy Spirit. That, that isn't the thing. There's nothing wrong with baptism. You know we believe that, believe it. Every believer ought to be baptized. But just because you're baptized does not necessarily mean that you have more power with God. You're just obeying the Lord when you're baptized. The power to live for Christ and to settle all these matters in your life comes as the Holy Spirit gives you victory inside. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And the Holy Spirit can help you. But you see, you dare not flirt with the devil. One of the problems with Halloween, beloved, I grew up in a day before we had all this knowledge about things and, and I guess the devil wasn't as working as great. I don't know what's happened today. Satan seems to have been loosed and he knows that his time is, is just, a, just has a little time and so on. But uh, Halloween didn't used to be as connected with uh, devil worship and Satan worship as it seems to be today. Uh, I'm sure that there's nothing wrong with a kid putting on some kind of a false face and walking around and saying trick or treat and all that. I like the way our kids did it better. They go out and knock on the door and say, we don't want any tricks, we're gonna give you a treat. And they came house after house after house the other day and gave treats to people. That's beautiful. But I wanna tell you, you dare not flirt with the devil. The devil is a real personality. And I'm not sure that you have to be demon obsessed or possessed to let the devil deal with you and use you. 
Ouija boards are of the devil. These cards that people handle of the devil. Fortune tellers of the devil. And all these kind of things. See, when you say, well, I'm going to do that uh, because that maybe you'll, I want to go a step further. The horoscope. You're opening yourself to Satan's dis- de- delusion. Well, you don't have, God doesn't want you to get what's going to happen tomorrow by the sign you were born under. God doesn't want you to know about tomorrow because you visited some witch and she tells you certain things that may happen. God doesn't want you to go to a seance so you can talk to your great-grandpa. God wants you to come directly to him. And the only way you can do that is through the Holy Spirit. Just talk to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come and take control and he will fill you with joy and peace and power and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Let's close our eyes in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, will you let the Holy Spirit take control of your heart tonight? Would you just say, Lord, I've walked in my own way and I need some, to do some business with God inside my heart. Would you let Jesus take control of your heart tonight? Just say, Lord, fill me with thyself. Fill me with thy joy. And I confess to thee that I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Would you say that to him tonight? Every believer. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, you cannot remember a definite date when you knew you were lost and you asked Christ to come into your heart and save you. Beloved, don't don't allow yourself to go to the judgment of God without having that settled. Open your heart to Christ tonight and receive him as your Savior. Our Father, we thank you for this precious congregation who have listened so attentively tonight. God bless each one. And we pray thou wilt help us to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. May we walk with Christ and live for you and serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Page 312. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord, and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. This is God's invitation. And I want to encourage you to come to Christ just as you are. Yield your heart to him. Yield your life to him. Let him fill you with his power and his love and his joy. Now, if you're here and you've never been saved, don't risk another moment without Christ. Come to him tonight. If you are saved, are you filled with his spirit? Are you living for him? Now, let me ask you this. If you're saved tonight, are you obeying him? There's some, perhaps in this room, who have said, who say, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. I'm on my way to heaven, but I've never been baptized. Baptism doesn't get you any dibbies with God, but I want to tell you it does. What it does, it's the answer to God of a good conscience. It's saying, Lord, I'm obeying you. You told me to do it, and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be a disobedient Christian. Because if you can disobey God in one thing, you can disobey him in other things. The 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 it is 
it is uh, God's plan and God's will for everybody who's been saved to go on and follow him in baptism. I encourage you to do that. If your membership is in another church and God wants you at Glendale, you ought to come and be part of this fellowship and serve the Lord here. However God has spoken to you, let him have his way with you tonight. While we sing, will you come for Christ?